before we start today's episode, we want to send a rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, he lost his life last night due to colon cancer. And, you know, myself and Miss Tiff are here just to talk about uh, Chadwick Boseman for a little bit before you hear uh, episode number two of uh, Lovecraft Country. Um, where were you when you heard the news and how did you hear about the news? Um, I actually, as is most times nowadays, um, I was scrolling on social media, um, last night, um, and I just started seeing people post this picture a lot and I was like, what's going on? Um, that's usually not a good thing, um, when you see that. So I went to his page, um, that I follow and, you know, unfortunately, I guess like his PR team had just sent a short message that he did succumb to colon cancer, which um, I like to point out that he's been fighting quietly for the last four years. Um, so that's definitely how I learned it. It was a shock. It was um, something like kind of like a silent gasp, like, wow, you know, because not only he, is he an excellent um, actor, and I do want to point out that, you know, of course, he's most infamously known for being Black Panther, but he has been an awesome actor. He's played a lot of historical figures, such as Third Thurgood Marshall, um, um, Jackie Robinson, um, been excellent in them, but, of course, he's most famous for Black Panther. And I guess just in that moment, I thought, wow, a Black superhero has died, and how does that affect not only us as a community, but, you know, young black guys that saw a superhero that looked just like them. So it was a tremendous loss. It was something that I reflected on. Life is definitely, you know, is not promised, but just really reflecting on how strong he was in his battle. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to be so quiet and have the team keep it under wraps like that, his team, uh, kept it under wraps and he just kept working. He kept working until he couldn't work anymore. And, uh, you know, it's just, it just lets you know that, you know, time is not promised to anybody and we all, you know, need to love each other a little bit more and, and do what we can while we're here on this earth positive because, uh, he definitely left an impact that would be, uh, I mean, forever. I mean, Black Panther is going to be that thing everybody go to, but we can always, like you said, he did other things like Thurgood Marshall, um, Jackie Robinson with the movie 42. He did so much, and he was an excellent actor. And and I'm sure, I mean, I'm seeking to see a lot of people going back and studying his work and seeing what he did. And we just want to send our uh, rest in peace. Um, Yeah, because it's really heavy. So we'll just have a silent 10 seconds and – We'll go into episode two of Lovecraft Country. So, Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, King. Let's keep that. I'm serious. <laughs> Don't delete that. What about you, Everybody walk like me now. Everybody talk like me now. Heard on what they want to be now. What about you, Everybody walk like me now. Everybody talk like me now. Heard on what they want to be now. What about you, Everybody walk like me now. Everybody talk like me now. Heard on what they want to be now. What about you, Everybody walk like me now. Everybody talk like me now. 
Heard I'm with it when it be down. Quack, quack, damn, she killin'. Why she got holes in the dinner? Mm. I ain't been home in a minute. What? I ain't never seen no ceiling. Mm. Come a guy, yeah, he nailin'. Yeah. Audio, I'm top billin'. Yeah. All of my boys dope dealin'. Super whack, I'm no villain. Mm. Nigga try to take my flow. Who the hell he think he Welcome back, everybody, to Jeff versus the World Presents Lovecraft Country Review, episode number two. And I got my homie back again, my friend, Miss Tiffany. How are you doing? I'm great. Happy Saturday to everybody. Yes, it's definitely Saturday. And uh, yeah, you heard us yesterday, so you're going to hear us again today. <laughs> we are definitely playing catch up. As DJ Khaled says, another one. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, just to let y'all know, after this, um, we know tomorrow is episode three, uh, and we will hopefully have this every Wednesday afternoon or evening. The episode will be out for you guys to listen to. But we are going to talk about episode number two, Whitey's on the Moon, and let's just jump right into it. Uh, Tiffany, where did we leave off when we last left our trio? Our trio, and as a as as a recap, Uncle George, Letitia fucking Lewis, <laughs> and Atticus Freeman. <laughs> so, we left those individuals on the doorstep of the Artem Mansion. Um, later, we'll find out that it's actually officially the Brett Wife Mansion. But this is where we left our main characters. Um, the door opens, um, this young white guy with pale blonde hair and blue eyes um, with his ascot and, you know, what they call smoking jackets, I guess, mm-hmm. um, says, hey, we've been waiting for you, Mr. Freeman. So clearly he knows this person. He knows our main character, Atticus. Um, and that's pretty much we got the end credits at that point. So when we get here, we kind of episode two again entitled whitey's on the moon and we'll get more into that later on um we then open to a scene um which is very lighthearted. um uncle george kind of opens the door and you hear the jefferson's theme song and if nobody is familiar with that which i hope not (laughs) um the theme song of moving on up is played in the background And I did want to take a moment right now before uh, we get too deep into the episode just to let you guys know um, what I want to do in this episode is really focus on the music as well as the episode itself. Um, I'm a huge fan of music. I have an eclectic type, um, Jeff as well. Um, So anytime I hear music in a TV show or movie, I do some background and just make sure that I'm familiar with if if I've heard it before or if I haven't, I definitely research it. So as we go into this episode review, I will kind of like stop for a moment and give a little tidbit of the music that you hear in a particular scene. And then if you guys have already seen the episode, you probably will know and have that aha moment. And if not, it'll be a fun little thing to go back and review that as well. So um, going back to the, the opening scene again uncle george they're in this mansion all three are in separate rooms um you see them kind of like dancing around lighthearted. you got these fancy clothes these big rooms uncle george has these walls full of books because he just loves books as we learned in episode one um we see letitia 
Um, she's in her room trying on fancy clothes that happen to be in her same size. Strange. Hint, something's <laughs> going on here. Um, but at the moment, we're in this very happy mood, you know, wow, we're in a rich place and they like us. <laughs> so we get into that. Um, however, things are slightly different in Tick's room. Uh, we see him showing, you know, kind of remembering back to what the night happened before, the monsters, um, the vampire-like blobs. And he's just sitting there kind of like, something isn't right. Um, I don't know what's going on. Why are we in this mansion? I need more answers. And you could just tell that he wasn't as comfortable as Le um, Letitia and Uncle George. So eventually, um, all three of them they get together back in the hallway and they're talking and then we we introduce to the um young gentleman again um and later on we find out his name is william so of course he, <laughs> <laughs> so he's walking um and just showing them around the mansion and you know talking about the portraits and then that's where we come to find out um one of the original owners which is titus Rathwhite. um and so the story is long story short he years 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 ago um, built this mansion and he got a lot of his money from shipping which leticia makes the comment aka slavery <laughs> and william the young white guy he makes a point to say well, uh, Titus had a reputation for being extremely nice to his slaves. Um, not sure what to say to that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely didn't know how to take that. That was. <laughs> like, should we say thank you? Uh, uh, you know? Okay. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> exactly. for the info. <laughs> so that's basically the same mindset that our three characters had. Like, um, at the end of the day, they were still slaves. But anyway, so they continue to get this little mini tour and then William, you know, explains to them that they're going to have dinner tonight. And at the whole time, Tick is still looking at everything like this isn't weird to you guys, but he's real quiet. He's just looking around and he, you know, defensively asks William, well, can we walk around or do we need permission? And, you know, William's like, no, you can go along as long as you're back for dinner. And you kind of get a hint of what's so special about this dinner, but we're, we're moving along. We just got here. They're treating us nice so far. So they prepare like a little light, I guess, like brunch kind of thing outside mm -hmm. on one of the patios. And Letitia <laughs> sits down and she immediately rings the little bell. <laughs> Some people are familiar with bells on the table. And a waiter, you know, she's like, well, you know, white people don't season their food. You know, these little... And I enjoy the little little snippets that Letitia says because it's so true. And it takes you from from their reality to our reality of things that we would still say, like as a smart comment, you know, not known for seasoning their food, haha, -ha, and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. So at this point, Tick tries to remind them, like, how can you be sitting down eating? And walking around here in clothes that fit you perfectly. And we were just attacked by monsters. And so this whole scene 
um, Uncle George and Letitia have no clue what happens. And this is the first time that I think as an audience, you know, we're the third party, but this is really, I think, the scene where you realize something really is about to happen. And if the monsters were in episode one, what in the world is about to happen to them that they don't even remember what went on? And (laughs) I I find that super interesting because I'm thinking, and after, you know, we can go back to this at the end of the episode, but I'm just like, okay, but why are you blocking their memory? Even if they do remember, I don't, I don't know if they, I don't know if the, he wants them in the, uh, what is it, fight or flight? You know, they, they, right. all three of them will be panicking. Okay, let's find my dad. Let's get out of here. So I guess it's easier if they have them not remember. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's the daughter that's doing this. Right. And, and that's definitely, like you mentioned in um, episode one, those little hints that you see. And that's why this is definitely um, a show that you will not be on your um, TV excuse me, not your TV, your cell phone, you know, texting or scrolling or, you know, tweeting or whatever, because you really have to pay attention to those little hints and those little subtle things that it's like, okay, we met a few of these people in episode one, and now this is coming together, and then all of a sudden, they don't remember anything. So, at this point, um, Uncle George realizes that they're being watched while they're having this very heated conversation. So, in typical fashion, when you realize, okay, maybe something isn't right. I don't remember what Tick is talking about. But he had the, enough awareness to say, okay, we still need to act normal because these white folks are being nice to us for right now. Mm-hmm. And that's, we don't want to see what they are like if they don't want to treat us nice. So it kind of, you know, kind of a calmness comes over them, you know, and then we just assume that they, you know, sit down and and truly eat and just kind of regroup themselves. They do make a plan to go into the neighboring little town together and definitely not separate because at this point something's going on, but no one knows what it is. So we catch up with our three characters. They're walking through the um, town and Tick kind of walks ahead of them because they're, they're, their main focus is still to find their father, Montrose, his father, Montrose. Um, and you see Letitia <laughs> whispering to Uncle George, like, um, basically, was Tick okay after the war? Mm-hmm. Um, because he was acting very paranoid. And again, at this moment, they still don't remember what just happened the night before. So can you imagine somebody telling you that you shot a sheriff, a white man, um, you, you, you had a monster chasing you that had teeth that bit men in half. So you can imagine that at this point, Letitia thought maybe, you know, Tick was dealing with some emotional issues mm-hmm. from the war. Some psychological issues. <laughs> um, and and which, 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 which I thought what was cool about that was that she was being what, uh, you know, what anybody would say. Is he all right from the war? You know, people, I'm, right. I hate to say it, but people do that when people come back from the military and they've been at war. That's the first thing we say. But his uncle was like, I don't remember but he almost had the the feeling of, but I should remember. Right, right. Like, it, it doesn't make sense, but this right now doesn't make sense either. Yeah, because so, I, I can't remember anything. I, I forgot what he said, the only thing he can remember. Yeah, I think they were in the car. They remember something on the road. 
but after that they didn't remember anything else right so um so as they're walking they're walking in this little town all of a sudden we hear that whistle again so of course tick is like y'all y'all hear that that's the same thing that we heard last night and uh, again letitia and uncle george are like okay tick um we're, I mean, we're going to follow you, but we don't know what's really going on. But needless to say, they follow Tick to this big, like, stone um, tower. Kind of almost looks like a, a medieval castle, almost. But it's, like, in the middle of the town. And they're, I don't want to say confronted, where they meet this lady who has these two huge barking um, dogs a Karen. at this point. Yeah, and what I took from it, and Jeff, you you let me know your insight. The way that she was dressed put me in the mind of an overseer um, that you would typically see in like old movies and TV shows. The overseer to the slaves in the field. She had that um, suspender. Oh, yeah, dead. You dead right about. It. She was the white hopping bob from life. <laughs> exactly who she was. So that's that. That's what it, again, the show has that that tendency to take you out of the fantasy, the sci-fi, the horror, and then kind of jerk you right back into that reality of this is still the 1950s. These are still white people that don't believe black people are equal, and they still see us as inferior animals, which segues to how she talks to them in this scene um they basically tick is like questioning her what's that whistle i heard that whistle um what what does it do and she kind of has a smirk on her face so you kind of know she knows what he's talking about but she never addresses it directly um and so uncle george kind of mentions the building and he says hey is this a jail of the town because it's the only stone built um place that I see here and she's kind of like oh I mean it's it's for a lot of animals that get into the town and this is where we start to get that racist feeling again like we did with the sheriff in the first episode because the only difference is that she's she's subtle with her so when Uncle George is asking her about this building he also mentions oh yeah I heard about the black bears and the neighboring woods and she takes this opportunity to go oh the blacks aren't really the biggest problem which we take as she's no longer talking about the bear she's talking about black people and she goes some of them are smart but not that smart they just tend to get their nose in business and things that they shouldn't be worrying about so you automatically go to she is really trying to show her racist side at this point that, you know, clearly he's being a, a nosy black person. Um, um, I think it's one of those things, too, also where um, they know they need them there, but they especially they need Tick there for a reason. So it's like begrudgingly have to accept that they're there because right. if there were anybody else, they would have been lynched on spot or right. shot. And that's and I think that's basically what she was trying to kind of say, like the blacks are here, but we have to deal with them. Um, so we briefly see inside the tower and you see it's kind of like pigs and disembodied animals or blood or whatever. 
and you get the impression that this is where they put certain like dead animals but as we're leaving the tower because they don't say that too long um uncle george kind of mentions i see that it's a stone floor which probably means there's a cellar which gets us back to the goal of maybe montrose is under there so as they're walking back um, to the mansion, because mind you, they're supposed to be back before dinner and before the sun goes down. And that's something that the, I'm going to call her the overseer. She also says, she also talks about sundown again, which again takes us back to let's not trip. These people are not friendly and there's something going on. So as they're walking back, we notice that the sun is gone at this point. It's, it gets dark again. It's not midnight dark, but it's definitely evening time at this point. Um, and as they're walking, Uncle George kind of reflects and not that he gets his memory back, but he's like, I remember something vaguely about the woods. And he mentions Tick's mother, which is, um, we find out her name is Dora. Um, so Tick is like, my mama told you about her history, but she never told me or my daddy. Which, Jeff, that goes back to those hints that maybe Uncle George isn't Uncle George and maybe Daddy George. Mm-hmm. Um, because Uncle George in this scene starts saying, yes, yeah, she told me about her great-grandmother Hannah who was a slave to Titus Braithwaite, which, recap, (laughs) is the original owner of this mansion that they are in. Now, the history lesson behind the mansion was that it originally burned down. So they had to rebuild this current mansion, which led into um where the the story with the shipping and that's how he got his money through slavery because the slaves rebuilt this mansion so the story that uncle george was remembering was that hannah one of the original slaves that was there with titus actually escaped the original fire and that's basically how we come to tick's lineage and make him present because this is his great grandmother i think at that point so as Uncle George is telling Letitia and Tick about this, dun, 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 the, the ground starts rumbling and the monsters are reintroduced. <laughs> so clearly they live underground. They travel underground. Um, that's probably how they get around during the daylight because, of course, they can't come out in the sun and they're like vampire-like creatures. So our trio gets surrounded and they're like, you don't know, it's like somebody going to get bit. Um, And then all of a sudden we hear this whistle again. Mm. But the only difference is, is that we see the young white lady that we saw on the road in episode one in the silver bullet, as I like to call it. Um, And she's on horseback and in the typical riding fashion and she's blowing the whistle so we connect those two dots that clearly she was in the woods um prior so she's literally been following them this whole road trip um and so we see the monsters disappear nobody gets hurt but as soon as that happens uncle george and letitia their memory is zapped again so, like, literally within two minutes, they're like, 
okay, why are we covered in dirt? And Letitia looks at Tick and goes, it happened again, didn't it? So at this point, we definitely know, like Jeff mentioned, there's some kind of spell, there's something that's, somebody's controlling them, but we don't understand why they're only doing it to Letitia and Uncle George at this point. And so, uh, so are we clear that these people have control over these animals or creatures? they do have control over them i think they found a way to control them just by now i don't know if it's by witchcraft or you know something that they created themselves but to me i took it as that they had control over them okay because the whistle made them stop and when she pulled up on a horse a horseback they kind of just looked like and they just dug into the ground and went away. So I'm just like, is it the whistle or do they, you know, is it the whistle that's bothering them or do they have control where that whistle is like a command, more of a command, like, no, go away. Cause she wasn't afraid. You know, neither was the um, racist lady with the dogs. Yeah. Neither one of them. I didn't take, I didn't get fear from them. That's why I'm saying, I don't, I'm not sure if they created these monsters in this universe or if they just learned a way to control them. But with everything that they were doing, which, you know, with the implied witchcraft and the spells on Uncle George and Letitia, I almost feel like they created them and maybe they got out of hand. And so they naturally are created in nature, if that makes sense. You know you. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but that is like a universal way to control them is that whistle. That's what I think. Gotcha. So... As they're going back, um, and and by the way, the young white lady, um, young lady, we learned her name is Christina Brathwaite. So clearly, all of the white people and characters so far are from the same lineage from Titus, the original owner of the mansion. Um, so she tells the overseer with the two dogs to get them back to the mansion, make sure that they stay in their rooms, but take tick to a different room so again we see the separation we don't it's still confusion we're not sure exactly what's going on but i think everybody's on the same page that this is not cool that this is not right and we just need to find you know tick's father and get out of here but for the time being they have to follow what is being told to them so they get to um back to the mansion they get in separate rooms and we're immediately introduced to the scene where we hear somebody screaming. So it's like, are we about to go to a dungeon? Is Tick about to die? What is going on? But he walks into the room, um, and the overseer kind of tells him to go ahead. And we see this white man, middle age, um, laying on a, a, a platform. I won't even say like a hospital bed. It's just a room. And he's screaming while this other man is cutting into him that has this cloak on, you can't see his face, um, with all these symbols on it. And it's like, okay, this is clearly a ritual, and this is clearly white people stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so this is the point where I feel like, Jeff, in horror movies, this is where black people should exit. <laughs> but Not tick. We, yeah, yeah, we really can't do that at this point. And I guess it wouldn't be a show, but hey. Um, so, yeah. So, this man is screaming. And he's. it appears that he's getting his liver taken out of him. I 
you know, I'm not good with anatomy, but I guess that's right under his rib cage or what have you. Um, so the, the cloak man, he takes it, walk, he sews them back up. And I, and I like to say this, this happens clearly with no anesthesia. So, you know, I guess that was part of the, the, the ritual to do that. I, I, I. Yeah. It's, um, uh, he's a soldier. You saw, <laughs> but what I do appreciate that you saw the after effects, the entire, the entire episode. Right. Right. That clearly was not, um, medical medically um, recommended <laughs> to do that. Um, <laughs> but Hey, so, uh, like I said, the cloak man, he stitches him up and Atticus is still sit standing there and you also see Christina, the young white late um, woman. She's sitting kind of in the background, but she's, you know, privy to this, drinking a glass of wine. So clearly she's used to this. Again, white people stuff. Um, so, you know, the guy gets up and, I, you know, I'm going to do a plug for people because, you know, I'm one of those people, Jeff, that look at a show and be like, oh, I know who that is. And if you guys, when you watch this episode, if you don't know who that is offhand, that's actually the president from um, the show. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I, I just lost a blank as I was going to say it with um, Pope. Remember um, the ABC show? Uh, Jeff. Pope who? Oh, you talking, <laughs> you talking about the um, president. I never watched that show. I know what you're oh, talking about. I never watched oh it. My God. Oh my god, we're about to cut Jeff off the show. Anyway, <laughs> I thought um that was the governor from um The Walking Dead. No, no. He looked just like him. You sure? No. no. There you go. No. Back back to the show, people. We're sorry for that sidetrack. Anyway, so basically, he stands up and he. Tell you know he goes through the spiel. We pan to a, a portrait that's on this on the wall that um, is supposed to be the artwork to show Adam naming all of the animals. And this is not going to be a religious show, but if you guys need to review, it's from Genesis, um, and I believe the chap chapter two verses nineteen where it talks about how Adam. Um, names all the animals God brings them to him and he he names them so in giving this description the gentleman he wants to express to Tick that this is what they are and basically long story short he's a, what they call sons of Adam so what this cult this occult group I don't they call themselves lodge members um, basically, they are trying to open the gateway back to Eden. Again, like we told you in episode one, enjoy the ride. Don't try to <laughs> look at this and go, oh, that makes perfect logical sense. Nope. <laughs> this is what they are here for. So as we learn um, little by little history of the mansion, we understand that Titus was the original who believed he was the son of Adam and his lineage and his bloodline. And they had the rights to go back to Eden, but they could never open this gateway. And it's hinted at that original fire is the reason because they were trying to do the ceremony years ago. It didn't work. And now this gentleman, he feels um, that 
now that he has the lineage and he can actually use Atticus because dun 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 plot twist we find out that Hannah evidently the slave was impregnated by Titus but she escaped so therefore her lineage is now introduced into this brat wife um, lineage which as you can see mixed with the racism because it's very clear that this this leader currently he's at the point of don't mistake that just because I need you as far as your bloodline that you're not dispensable so there's a there's a level of I could care less who you are but I need you for right now yeah which which is the mindset most times you know unfortunately with people that feel black people are inferior they need us for everything but the respect is never there just like Slaves were good to breastfeed their children, but you bet not marry one of our, our sons. <laughs> so. it, it's 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 insane that way of thinking because you would be surprised in 2020. But no, you wouldn't be surprised. I take that back. Sorry, sorry, I even said that. You shouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised now in 2020 if that still same thought is like that. We're good enough to do certain things, but oh, don't be too close to me or. Don't get in this elevator with me or, you know, it, it's right. some insane nonsense. Or don't let your child play with my child. So, you know, so, yeah. Right. And, and But it's logical to them. Because right. in their universe, it makes sense. It makes yeah. total sense. And that's a whole different show. Yep. Um, <laughs> but we do find out that that's just basically why Tick is there. Um, he's basically clearly the last part of this lineage and that's why at the end of the day they needed him at the mansion um so as we go forward at this point they're kind of i don't, I don't want to say forced into their rooms but they're kind of told that they need to go in their rooms again um so tick is kind of given a little bit more leniency so christina the young um, white lady she walks with him and kind of you know i guess trying to give him some friendly conversation and tick is just talking back to her and she's like and he's like so son of adams um i guess kkk going by different names now and she makes a poignant line and she says kkk are too poor for us to fraternize with ooh ooh and- the races are races amongst themselves <laughs> was interesting in the fact that that is exactly what a lot of the argument is with poor white people even mm-hmm. thinking they're better than the richest black person. Yeah, because your, your own people look down on you. <laughs> exactly. Poor white trash, trailer trash, all that shit they call each other. Yep. And the fact that you still think you're superior to me let's say a middle-class black person and you're living in a double wide trailer park, barely on food stamps, but you still think you're better than me. And to hear her say that as a hot, you know, I guess upper class, you know, elite person. And it kind of put me in the mind and we're going to bring it back to 2020 Donald Trump. Cause let's be real. 
he does not relate to poor white people. But those are the people that he pulled up out of the gutters to make them believe that they were better than us. And so now they're riding on their high horses. And I just like to, you know, show that correlation right there. But needless to say, we do go back to the point where Tick is like, well, if this, if you guys want me to participate and, you know, not fight you guys, I need y'all to give my Uncle George and Letitia their memory back. Because mind you, they still didn't remember what happened after all of this. So they got new memories that should make them worry but they still didn't have their memory from the night before so she finally i guess erases the spell we see like her kind of like flick her wrist or whatever so all of a sudden you hear them screaming and banging on their doors and so when tick tries to leave his room to go to them he kind of gets smashed into this invisible um I guess like a shield or what have you. And you kind of see these symbols light up around the door. And so then even though we knew up to this point, there was some witchcraft going on this, this scene kind of like just told you, yeah, they're, they're doing something. And these are witches. This, this is crazy because previous son of Adams are opening the garden of Eden. Yeah. You think that's cuckoo, but to actually see the witchcraft going on right now is kind of puts you in a place of, okay, we're back in this type of universe. So enjoy the ride. Um, so we go to the separate rooms at this point. And the first thing that I, I didn't know, and, and Jeff, you can, you can let me know. I didn't pick up on that. There was something going on into the rooms until like midway. It, and I think this was like a 10 or 15 minute kind of like scene where yeah. um, Tick was going through something um, in his room is trying as far as trying to Morse code to Uncle George that there were wizards. Um, and then um, Letitia, she had Tick come in her room. So I thought Tick was out of his room at that point. But you don't realize that it's three separate scenes until things start going cuckoo. Yeah. Because, again, this is Lovecraft. I think, <laughs> I, I think I picked up on it when uh, they were doing the Morse Code. I like okay. something. Like, it was like, okay, what's going on? Because I'm starting to write Wizards. And I, it, I, was, I sat there for a minute. I was like, oh, he's feeling like it's something, you know, witchcraft, with some type of wizard or witchcraft is going on right now. So be aware. So letting them, you know, letting them know. And then when, um, yeah, when that whole thing with Tick, because I was like, how Tick get out his room? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, and we'll focus on that scene first. So when Letitia and Tick, you know, meet up, it's kind of like, okay, um, I'm glad he out his room, but what are we gonna do? And so Tick is trying in this scene. He's trying to calm her down, and they sit on the, on the bed. And to your point, Jeff, from last episode, uh, we get a little bit of background from Letitia um, as far as her mother and daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. And she kind of implies that her mom was promiscuous and, you know, running off with various men, but she would come back. But she was at a young age where she just didn't know if her mama was going to come back some nights. And it just scared her and she was, you know, frightened of being by herself. And then eventually one day her mom never came back. And so I think we're going to get some more insight on that. But it kind of puts a slight answer to your question is how did she miss her mom's funeral? 
and it kind of, you know, gives some background that maybe they just didn't have a healthy relationship based on her mama and how she would run off and, and you know, come back. You know, with that and um, after seeing that and that specific uh, explanation or some somewhat of an explanation, explanation, I wouldn't even be mad if they didn't even go any further with it. Yeah, I wouldn't even be mad if they didn't give us any more of an explanation for that because uh, I think that was enough right there. You just know that it did. Their relationship might have been strained or, you know, she felt some anger towards her mother from what all the things that happened when she was younger. Yeah, so I thought that was good to kind of give us a glimpse of it and not feel like we were totally lost um, from what was going on in the back of her mind and why why that mother and daughter relationship was a little strained and the sister and the brother. So it, it's coming together, and I, I definitely think in the next episode we're going to definitely see a little bit more. Um, but as far as theirs, and then, of course, her and Tick have this heartfelt feeling, and they kind of kiss, and it's like, oh, you know, they about to, you know, do that thing. Yeah, thing. it's not that t- it ain't no time for this bullshit here. That's when I knew something was <laughs> off. So we go to Uncle George's room. So right before all the good stuff happened, we go to Uncle George now. Um, and he's kind of looking at the, the, the bookshelf and, you know, and then he hears this soft music and it's like, what are we about to see in his room? And I think that's where I start going. This is another spell. I said, because this, this, this doesn't feel right. Like, they're all in separate rooms. What's going on? So, again, you hear the slow music, the dimming, the lights. And we look up and we see this young lady, um, African-American, kind of come around the corner. Um, and if you go back to episode one, like I said, this this series is so great because it, it it's so interwoven. I think, Jeff, you mentioned that, like a sweater, just in and out, in and out of, you know, everything you need to pick up on. Um, if you go back to episode one, when Uncle George was sitting on the bed after he talked to his wife, um, he kind of pulled out a faded picture out of his wallet, and this is actually that lady. She is also Dora, which is Atticus' mother. So, saying that, you pretty much know what this is. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like getting us even closer to that confirmation that something went on with Uncle George and Atticus' mother. So, they start slow dancing, and, you know, Uncle George is like, this isn't real, and she's like, okay, but let's dance anyway. So, it's kind of like one of those scenes where, I guess, you want, if you were to see somebody that you hadn't seen in a long time, even though you know that dead person is probably not standing right there, it's just to enjoy that moment. And I think at this point, I realized that these wizards were feeding off of these people's deepest desires at this point. So Letitia, back to them. She clearly has feelings for Tick. And now we're in Uncle George's room and he's slow dancing. At this point, I want to go back to Tick's room because, remind you, he's not really in Letitia's room. (laughs) So he's having his own vision. And his vision isn't, you know, as beautiful as theirs because he's literally in there fighting this young Asian woman who is dressed in military. So we know that it's clearly a memory from his military in the wartime, and he's clearly fighting this lady 
Um, we don't know. Was that the lady that called? Was that the was that the lady that he called? I don't think so because at the end of his um I'm gonna call it illusion, he chokes this young Asian um soldier to death. So I don't think it's her. Now, do I think that it's somebody that he fell in love with in South Korea and this is just a memory? I don't know how it's attached, but this is something that he clearly did because Keep in mind, the Wizards has to take something from your memory or play on your mind. So this was something that I guess he's been living with from the war, which is pretty common for anybody that has had to be in combat. He did say, and I don't know if you heard, when the woman first attacked him, he said a name. It's something with a J. He said, I don't want to do this. Right, because he didn't he didn't want to necessarily fight her. I don't think I don't think he was in the mindset of kill, kill, kill. But as it went on, he had to go in survival mode. But he said a name, and that's what I was wondering. Like you, he specifically said a name. That's what I was thinking. Oh, was this the girl that maybe he was talking to on the phone, and maybe this was someone that he was supposed to kill, that he fell in love with, but ended up leaving. I don't know. You know, so many questions right now. <laughs> and that could and that could be and you know that's something to ponder um as far as our audience if you guys have some insight after looking at it tell us your thoughts because I, I feel like this whole series period episode to episode you can interpret it some stuff is very blatant you can see what it's supposed to be but a lot of it is open to interpretation and maybe in future episodes we'll see that relation i can't i can't see them just having that phone call conversation and then this fight scene and not tell us anything else. So I think more to come on that, but, you know, definitely you guys let us know what you think, you know, your theories. I, I'm not sure. I'm just waiting. Like I say, I'm just enjoying the ride. (laughs) So as far as the scenes are still going on, um, we kind of, goes back to Uncle George um, and he's still slow dancing with Dora, Atticus's mother and they're just talking and kind of re- re- um, reminiscing and then I think Uncle George has an epiphany like this really isn't real and I need to snap out of this and then we flash back again to you know Tick is still fighting for his life I mean throwing, getting thrown across the bed, um, glass breaking, everything but he gets the upper hand and he's eventually like choking her to death as we see. And then we flash to Letitia because remember we thought they was about to get it on. But at this point, Letitia is like, wait a minute. I think we need to slow down. But her version of tick is not having that. He's not hearing it. And he starts to unzip his pants. This is where truly the illusion occurs. And I want to pinpoint um, a lot of the rooms had man, um, a lot of portraits on the wall. And in her room, it kind of was um, a foreshadow. We see a portrait where it looks like Adam is about to penetrate Eve, but his penis is a snake. So, <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. How loud did you scream? Or would <laughs> Man, listen. Hey, okay, for the audience out there, if you ever, 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 want to get on my bad side have snakes around i don't play i feel like 
that that is their only cursed animal. I don't I don't I don't understand them. She don't, I don't fuck like with snakes. Them. Um, I've had bad experiences personally with snakes. That's a whole different show. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't we mm-mm. Tiffany does uh, not. I, I, you've also had bad jokes with snakes in the box. Yes, we have. <laughs> and again, we're not getting into that because. I don't oh, want to get irritated again. Oh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, needless to say, if you paid attention to the portrait, you saw the foreshadow. So, when this version of Tick stands up, of course, a snake comes out. And I'm not too frightened, people. I didn't scream because it was very computer animated. So, I kind of, like, I didn't get scared, but I was just like, I kind of knew it was coming because they focused on that portrait a little too much. So... And that's a that's a that's a deep topic on itself because um, a lot of people believe stories in the Bible are parables. So is that to say that really the snake was intercourse with two beings that maybe they shouldn't have at that time, and you know all the temptation that sex leads to? Bigger story. You guys talk about it amongst yourselves. Um, <laughs> but needless to say. Leticia fights him off. They don't have sex. But it's almost as if all the illusions stop at the same time because we hear this loud bell. And I guess it's like the dinner bell. And so we see our three characters kind of come out of their rooms really slow and looking at each other like, "Um, did you see that? Was that all in my head? What just happened? Let's not talk about it. And that all happened in like two minutes. <laughs> like, um, just just a confusion amongst everyone, and, and, and everybody just feels ugh, disgusted, <laughs> uh, shock, and and Uncle George has to be the strong one at this point because uh, Tick and uh, Letitia are fucked up, mind fucked. Mind yeah, fucked. pretty much. Yeah, because imagine you just had a, I guess, sexual. Um, fantasy that turned into a horror movie and ladies you see that guy looking at you across the hallway so so imagine that Um, and then imagine Tick is um, being reminded of probably the worst experience in combat that he had to deal with a lot of PTSD um, you know not wanting to kill somebody like that, a woman at that, and like Jeff mentioned, and maybe somebody that he was in love with. Um, you know, so he's dealing with that. And then Uncle George has this big secret that clearly Atticus' mother, Dora, was his first love, or he was still in love with her. Or maybe an affair. And yeah. And so it's like, I don't know if we should even talk about this. So Tick kind of, you know, you can, I think his was heavier than the other two. So you kind of really could see him almost getting teary eyed about it. And like Jeff mentioned, you know, George and kind of grabs his shoulder and says, you were a good boy and you were even a, a better man. So don't ever let, you know, them getting your head that deep. And I thought that was another pivotal um, statement when he said, you know, that's what they want to do. They want to get us, get in our heads and make us scared. And yes, you can say he was talking about the scene and, you know, them um, putting spells on him. But I want to go a little deeper because 
I try to relate it to reality as well. And I think, you know, we can look at that as 2020, you know, how some white people, because I don't want any fallback from, you know, people saying all, but some white people do that mental thing where they want you scared. They want you in a, in a perpetual state of what's going to happen next. I don't know what to do. Am I a good person? What's going on? And control you from that aspect. And I don't know if you saw it that way, Jeff, but that's the way I took it after looking at it again. I think absolutely right. Um, I think that was a, I think that was basically for that scene. And that was also, like you said, for today, um, you can just see that anywhere, but police officers, you know, they will say anything to you or do anything to you or just now, uh, some white people out there just feel comfortable with saying anything and making us feel, uh, like we don't belong or inferior, you know, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. I'll agree with you because we'll get into a whole nother topic. <laughs> right. Right. We need, we need a, um, after show show. <laughs> right. <laughs> but as they're, as the three are um, talking and kind of like hugging each other and getting back grounded and like, you know, you're right. And even Uncle Joy says, cause Letitia fucking Lewis doesn't get scared. <laughs> right. And she kind of like, you know, laughs a little bit and it, you see our characters getting back to who they were. Um, and then we're introduced to William again, who comes in the hallway on, right on time and says dinner is in, you know, 10, 10, 15 minutes. Um, it is a black tie event and it's only for men. So he tell basically tells Letitia that she can go um, sit on, um, and I may say it like a balcony or veranda. I think that's what it's called. Um, and again, I see the subtle things that even in the elite, the women aren't really portrayed as important. Um, And we see that with Christina as well, the white young lady. Um, It's not called, you know, daughters of Adam. It's sons of Adam. So even though she's a part of this elite lineage herself, she's considered, I guess, the bad seed, you know. She's, um, I would say she's like, she's involved, but I think her and her father both have different, ideologies uh they see things completely different and i think that's a strain and her being a woman is a strain so it's kind of like she's helping but it's almost reluctantly yep and she's just a part of the family and she makes mention of that later in the episode when it's just her and tick um kind of like we call it family to make it sound normal but we just run when they're in trouble and need our help which is from a woman's aspect. Um, but with her being excluded from the elite side of this, this occult or membership, um, just basically kind of brushing off Letitia as well and saying it's only for men, um, just kind of showed you that division and how many divisions upon divisions there really are in society. Um, but anyway, we, we get to the point where they're walking into the dining room and of course we see the typical all older white men in their tuxes sitting at these tables being waited on and we see Samuel which flashback to the man that was screaming um, which is clearly the leader of this this lodge we'll call it as they they say in the show 
um, he's kind of sitting at the head of the table and, you know, once Atticus and Uncle George come in, he kind of stands up and welcomes everybody and the fellow lodge members that are sitting there. And you see William, the younger white guy that answered the door, he kind of leans over and whispers to Uncle George and Atticus. Another line that I took deeper, and, and you guys will understand that as I listen to things and I just, I'm a thanker. Um, he says to them, just because they don't want you here doesn't mean that you're supposed, you're not supposed to be here. And I thought that that not only played into what they were doing, because we know that Atticus is, is a part of this lineage, um, by way of Hannah, the slave, um, being impregnated by Titus, um, years, years ago. But again, I took it as present day when black people accomplish many things and get into rooms where decisions are made or a hierarchy is already there. And that mindset is there. We don't want you here. I, I don't want to sit next to you or across from you. And I'll use the example, Jay-Z. Um, as he's, you know, grown and matured and, you know, become more than a, a rap artist. And he's actually sitting in rooms with billionaires and CEOs and, you know, things where the decisions behind closed doors are made. You have to know that there are some people sitting at the table that don't feel that he should be there. But that doesn't mean that he's not supposed to be there. And I and that's what I took from that. Again, Jeff, you can let me know if you thought something different, even though it was just one line. No, you're exactly right. You're actually 100% right about that. I mean, you can, you can do that in your daily life, you know, at your job or wherever right. it may be. Somebody working and, you know, you got a certain position and somebody else feeling a certain type of way, there may be another color and they just looking at you like, nah, you shouldn't be in that spot. It should be me. It should be somebody else, somebody other than you, no matter of, no matter of your credentials, just because of your skin, you, you know, that's, that's a negative, which is just yep. still fucking insane and just to say. And a lot of times it's only based on the color of their skin. It's not education. They can have the same resumes, the same work experience, the same life experiences. But because you have brown and black skin, I don't feel you belong here. But because of Tick's lineage, he was supposed to be there. And as we come to understand and realize in this scene, because he is a part of the direct lineage, he actually has power over all of the other white men that are sitting there. And in this scene, we also um, learned that from the previous, towards the beginning of the episode, when the liver was taken from Samuel on the, um, on the bed, on the platform or what have you, he actually is giving himself to these other large members. But because Tick saw it, he kind of warned his, his, his uncle, like, don't touch that. That, that ain't real meat. <laughs> That's not <laughs> something that we should be eating. So the other men, of course, I guess they were going to partake in it. But Uncle George being, you know, the avid reader, and like I mentioned, he had the room full of books. He came upon, I guess, like an order or a rule book for this lodge. And 
he stood up and kind of let them know that because you guys need tick, I need all of y'all to remove yourselves and he can order you guys. Now picture that this young black man was able to stand up in this crazy ritual place. Yes, because that's this universe, but let's just take that out of it. This young black man was able to stand up and basically tell all these old white men, get the hell out the room and just leave Samuel. Cause I need to talk to him. And no one made a sound and they left that room. I love it. I thought that was powerful and funny at the same time. <laughs> I love it. I, I haven't, I haven't felt so much joy in a scene <laughs> since uh, Malcolm X came with all the brothers <laughs> to go check over <laughs> at the hospital. He pointed and all of them moved. Amazing. Uh, a black man shouldn't have that much power. My goodness. Yes, and he did. And after Uncle George gave his speech and, and let them know who really was in control, Atticus stood up, told him to get the hell out. They got, they got the hell out. But as we see, Samuel still had this arrogant, like, I don't, I don't deal with this man right here and this little nigglet is getting on my nerves, but I need him. Right. And he, he kind of just, you know, again, kind of reemphasized just because I need you doesn't mean that you're not dispensable. Um, at this point, you know, again, we just kind of get some more feedback, you know, as far as the direct descendant and, and everything. Um, some way, somehow, um, Uncle George and Tick, they leave this dinner. I don't think they even had dinner, but we find them in the tower because, again, we're just here for Montrose at this point. And, and it's crazy because the show will make you forget that for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come back and you're like, oh, we're here on a rescue mission. <laughs> like, we, we, we might want to go get up in here. So they're back at the tower. And, of course, the overseer comes in and is like, oh, y'all just don't know how to keep y'all nose out of business and she kind of makes the remark the dog's gonna eat good tonight which puts you in mind again um even in the 1950s how the police had dogs all the time coming at you know black people and just that theme in itself mm -hmm. um but Letitia fucking lewis <laughs> comes and saves the day once again i don't i don't know if she saw them walk into the tower she probably um, followed them yeah, that's a plot hole, but we don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> she comes and hits the overseer in the head with shovel. She falls down the steps and is out. I don't know if she's dead. I really don't care. And maybe the dog will eat good. I don't know. But either way. So Uncle George and Tick and Letitia are now like, okay, this place is empty, but it's clearly somebody was in here because they found uh, Montrose flask. So um, Uncle George makes a reference to the Mount of um, Chris, Mount of Carlo Cristo. I think that's the, the correct, incorrect title, but it's basically a story about a man that gets um, buried alive in a wall. So Uncle George makes a reference to that, and they start taking the stones out of the, the wall, and they see that Montrose has taken it upon himself to rescue himself because there's a, a tunnel through the dirt and they're like okay so clearly he's trying to get out so some way somehow we flash to these two hands coming out of the grass <laughs> like living dead can, can i have this for a minute and who <laughs> who pops out my man omar little from the wire 
Michael K. Williams. <laughs> I was like, as soon as I saw, I said, "Oh, I should have known." <laughs> so yes, so yes, this, we have finally seen who Montrose is. So this is Atticus' dad, and like I said, he done took it upon himself to dig through the ground. Um, I don't know how long that took, but he is up and. You know, we see this moment of hallelujah from him. Uh-huh. And then Uncle George is Montrose, all happy. <laughs> what the hell and... you doing here? <laughs> yes. And then this is where we see this dynamic of what Atticus was talking about in episode one. Because for, for a moment, it didn't seem like Montrose was happy that they had come to rescue him. Uh, he wasn't. He's like, I can, I can escape myself. I don't need y'all help. So, so we have this moment of, um, well, fuck you too. Like pretty much, like, <laughs> that's what it was. Like, <laughs> like we came all the way here to these crazy white people to look for you because you wrote us a letter, and Montrose was oblivious to the letter at this point. He like, what are you what? talking about? We ain't talked in five, five years. years. You don't know when the letters are, when a, a letter is written under distress. <laughs> God damn, cuz. So, so we're like, okay, uh, all right. Well, at the end of the day, we all black people, and we still need to get away. So, so they all climb in the car that Leticia. She and I think they actually got the silver bullet. They didn't take Woody, which was the original um, station wagon. Um, they got into the faster car, which makes sense. So as they're driving, um, again, Uncle George being the avid reader. He starts talking about what he found in the manual and the rule book about this order um, and what they were looking for. And as they're talking and they're going over this bridge that remember the bridge that they walked over to even get here, they hit this field for this um, force field that like literally makes the car look like an accordion. It smashes and it's just like invisible. You don't know where it came from, but clearly, you know, the wizards had set this up so no one could get away. So at this point, it's all slow mo, and you're like, oh my God, are they about to die? Who else is about to die? Is it another monster about to come out the water? What What is going on? But they eventually stumble out. And I like to make a reference to this. Um, you guys probably heard the song. Um, playing the background. It's called Killing Strangers, and it's also in John Wick, which is another move trilogy that so far. Because I know they're gonna make another one, but that is uh, that was my aha moment. I was like, oh, they playing Marilyn Manson on here too. So it was interesting. Like I said, the soundtrack goes from Nina Simone to Marilyn Manson to new upcoming artists and everything. But that was a pivotal point. Um, and I think it was a good choice with that song because if you think back to the occult, they don't care who they're sacrificing as long as they have that lineage, as long as they had a blood, they don't care. They're just trying to get to this Garden of Eden, you know, crazy universe. Um, but anyway, so they get out of the car, they stumble out, and sad moment, Letitia is shot. Like, there's no... No introduction to that. Nope. You don't even get over the car accident. Just bang. Yeah. So we're like, okay, who just shot? And how did they get there this fast? <laughs> so Magic. we look up. And, yeah. 
and we look up, and of course, it's Samuel that has a gun, and Christina sits standing behind him, and we just see this look of let's get this over with kind of thing. And he does make a point to say, again, you're a son of Adam, but you got three other people with you. Now, let me know which other one you want to survive through this. And so Atticus is still trying to come to terms with Letitia just got shot and we see her collapse and take a breath and we're like, this the only episode two. Like, like she there already? Like, Yeah, you know, I, 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 I was thinking, I was like, oof, I know she a big star now, so maybe they couldn't afford her. <laughs> I was like, um, so this, this, this is how... This is going to end? Okay. So anyway, so clearly um, Atticus is distraught and he's, you know, huffing and puffing, looking at this white man and the white man kind of, you know, gets back to the topic of who else is going to survive this? And for some reason, Atticus looks at Uncle George. I don't know if it was to look at for him a support of, uh, for strength or what have you, but I guess Samuel, the white guy, took that as Oh, you want me to shoot him? So we see this bang flash, and we're like, oh, my God. So two main characters dead already? Shit. So <laughs> so we get back to the mansion because clearly the escape did not work. So we're back at the mansion, but clearly at this point, Atticus has just succumbed to this, this cult, and he's like, I got to deal with them and this ritual that they want me to go through. So we see him being cleaned by all these white maids in all white, which again is a contrast to what we've seen in history where the white man is being catered to and, you know, cleaned up and purified. And now we see these so-called maids in white purifying this black man naked. No, no front scenes, ladies, if you haven't seen it yet. Um, <laughs> but this is what happens. And then we see Christina is introduced again. And again, like Jeff said, maybe she has some certain, like, I want to be your friend kind of thing. I'm not sure. I don't know if she buys into everything or she's just irritated because she's a woman. So she doesn't get any credit either way. I I, want to say, too, it's almost a thing of, and I could be wrong saying this. And I can just change by the next episode. But um, I want to say it was a thing of more like she can empathize of what blacks went through just because of how she's treated as a woman and as far as this whole cult nonsense and wanting to be accepted goes could be wrong don't hold me to that though <laughs> may change in the next episode right who knows because this is a rad and i'm not ready to get off of it yet but as we see they have this conversation her and atticus and then we kind of can see through the walls where we see Letitia is on the sofa um, and Uncle George is on the bed with Montrose kind of like, you know, hovering over him with bandages and things. And then out of nowhere, we see Letitia take this big, big deep breath and she's alive again. So it's implied that I guess an agreement was made that if Atticus goes through the ceremony, they will revive Letitia. And then it's also implied based on what Tick says to Christina that they would also um, heal Uncle George once the ritual was completed. So 
we see Letitia and rightfully so react to being alive again. I can only imagine that trauma. Um, but we don't delve on it too long, but you do see her kind of like run to the bathroom and you see her crying and, you know, kind of shaking and there's no wound whatsoever. So I don't know if it was a mind trick and maybe she really wasn't dead. That's not sure. That's what I'm not sure about because we know Uncle George got shot. So right. is this magic or real? Man, what's going on? Like, see you in this world of you just got to go, go, you got to go with it. <laughs> yeah, because I think, say both of them were were shot for real for real but with the witchcraft and spells and stuff they know clearly how to bring people back from the dead i guess um or maybe someone that's recently dead because i don't think they brought back any of the old white men um so that that's my take on that scene but we go to the scene where atticus is now in this dungeon um and they're kind of like, I don't know, preparing themselves. They got all these cloaks and strange symbols. And you see this big circular thing that I guess is the gateway to the Eden. And it's, we don't get too deep into it, but we do go back to Montrose and Uncle George on the bed. And Jeff, this kind of feeds into your theory and everybody's theory at this point, I guess, that Uncle George is really the dad, is really the pappy, as they say. <laughs> um, because he kind of goes into apologizing to Montrose about the beatings and, and you know, that their father gave them. And, and Montrose really doesn't want to hear it because he has this wall up, like, I'm, I'm tough and I'm not dealing with that. I'm not going back to that. But Uncle George mentions Dora and you know, mentions about Atticus and showing him love. And you kind of see Montrose kind of snap and be like, we said we weren't ever going to talk about this no more. I don't care if you got a bullet in you or not. (laughs) Shit. Damn, bro. Chill out. And Uncle George is like, yes, I know. But at this point, I think he knew he was about to die because he was like, you're you're probably the only thing he has left now. And you kind of get that implication that, okay, it's really Uncle Montrose. It's not (laughs) Uncle George anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, we go back to the dungeon. And this gets you back to the title of the episode, which is Whitey on the Moon. And like I said, I was going to give you all a little actual factual. So this is really a poem that was written by Gil Scott Heron in 1970 and based on it you can listen to the words for yourself it was basically about poverty black poverty and medical issues that were going on but lo and behold we got white man on the on the moon and the apollo landings during that time so basically if you listen to the poem and this is the background of the scene it's like Black people going through all of this, going through all this trouble. We got enough money to put white whitey on the moon. Um, so please take the opportunity to go listen to that to you, for yourself, listening to it, you know, in its entirety. It's just like a spoken word that we normally hear today. But I thought it was really insightful for the show to use that at that point because, in essence, they're letting this black man go through all this suffering, all this pain, um, because you see all these lights going through Atticus at this point. He's screaming. So it's not a peaceful ceremony. 
But at the same time, we're all just doing this for a white man to go back to the Garden of Eden. So yeah. no matter what, black people are going through suffering while the white man going about his business and getting these accomplishments. So I thought that was really, you know, a good background for that scene. But as the scene goes on, we see like an entryway through this tunnel. So we're like, okay, is the Garden of Eden for real? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so we, we really about to see some. Okay. I mean, we seen monsters in the first uh, episode, so it was a difference. Um, but instead, it comes clearer and you see this pregnant black woman, which we now know is Hannah from the previous story that Uncle George shared. Um, and we see her just kind of staring at Atticus through this tunnel, this, you know, um, bridge to reality, past and present, whatever you want to call it. And Atticus notices too, and he's looking at her and it's kind of like a recognition, like, oh, this, this is my ancestor. This is my great, great grandmother. And she's clearly pregnant. And as they connect, it's almost like a calmness comes over Atticus mm -hmm. and he kind of like outstretches arms and he accepts whatever is coming from her way. And what comes from her way is fuck it all up <laughs> <laughs> because the mansion starts shaking. Um, the, the machine start rattling. It doesn't look like it's going right. Um, Mind you, Samuel, the white guy, is in the background still doing these chants. We don't know what he's talking about. Um, Nothing. But it's not going right. He keeps going, though. <laughs> we start seeing, like, the lodge members start running. But it's a little too late because yeah. all of a sudden, they get turned into stone. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's a reference to the pillar of salt. That's it, Bible or that? I don't know. I want to say it is more. because they this this episode was very Bible influenced. So okay. I, I want to say it was. Okay, and again, not gonna delve into deep in that, but the story was Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's wife looking back at the evilness and turned into a pillar of assault right where she stood. Um, I as Jeff said, that could be the reference. So they turned into stone. All the white people, Atticus is still standing there. The house is trembling. We go to Uncle George and Montrose. They're like, look, the door is open to this room. Let's get out here as fast as we can. Because the mansion is shaking and crumbling at this point. So those three are struggling to get out the mansion. You know, Uncle George still got this bullet. So we got to do what we got to do. Yeah, because Montrose like, if I carry you, you're going to bleed out. Right. So they're struggling. We go back to Atticus. He's still... He starts seeing the glass coming down. And at this point, I guess the spirit of Hannah kind of untangles herself from him. So he's able to move at this point and he's running out. And the whole time that we see him running right in front of him, we see this, this representation of Hannah also running, but in her area, it's like fire. So we definitely know, yes, this is Hannah. And she's trying to show him the way out of this mansion, just like she did years, years, years ago. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely the past helping the present. Right. Um, and then we see just in the nick of time, Atticus runs out of the building. Hannah disappears at the door. So we don't see her anymore um, in that moment. And just as Atticus is out of the door, we see the whole 
uh, mansion kind of fall upon itself. So it didn't explode. It just imploded. Like it just fell on itself like a um, strategic explosion, Ooh. which um, basically was the end of that. Um, and I, I doubt that gets rebuilt or anything. There's really nobody oh. there to rebuild it. It's all. <laughs> Um, and then there's kind of a silence and you kind of get relieved because you're like, okay, Atticus ain't dead. And then we see Letitia run up to him, um, hugging him, but we know something isn't right because again, we're snatched right back to reality and we know that uncle George got shot. And unfortunately, now I don't know because the way the show is we get, we get a slow walk to the car and Letitia is crying and apologizing to Tick and, you know, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, you know. And we come to this very emotional scene where Montrose is sitting in the corner in the backseat and he has Uncle George, you know, spread out, you know, leaning up against him. And the implied image is that Uncle George is, is unfortunately dead. So, um, um... I got to say this. Um, if you listen to me on Hood Classics with Shaheed, you definitely know that I am a fan of uh, actors who can really act with just facials. Just face, you know, their, their face can say everything without giving you a line or anything. And I thought everybody in this scene was fantastic yes. um, because you see Montrose just there with re- almost like regret and sadness that his uh, brother's dead. And you see Tick there just hurt because his father figure is dead. And you just see um, Letitia there hurting because, well, her man's hurting and she want to be there for him. And, you know, they she bonded with them and she has a relationship with them. So it's like all this pain going on right now. And nobody, you know, just they just stewing in it. They're just there with it. And we're there with it in the audience, as the audience and, you know, I was even getting a little, I was like, oh, shit, I'm getting a little teary-eyed here. Come on, man, let's get this episode over with. But I just thought the acting from everybody was good, and that's so awesome in that scene. Yes, absolutely. And and going back to what I mentioned at the beginning of um, this this episode is the music, the music choices. Um, in this particular scene, the, the song that you hear playing is called River by Leon Bridges. And I think... He's a fairly young new black artist, and if you guys haven't heard him, I'm actually learning more about him on YouTube. Um, he has some beautiful songs, but I think the song choice for this scene was beautiful. Um, and again, if you want to hear it in in your in its own entirety, please go to YouTube. Again, the artist is Leon Bridges, and the title of the song is River. And like Jeff said, I think it just encompassed everything that everybody was feeling. I think um, Atticus, that character, you could tell he lost. And let's be honest, that was his father figure, whether it's biological or not. You know, at that point, I don't even think he realized Montrose was sitting there. It was just, I've lost my Uncle George. Like, what is going on? And then you saw um, Letitia's character being that support behind him, not knowing what to say, but just being there. And again, like Jeff mentioned with Montrose character, um, just kind of sitting there with that one tear where he was still that masculine brother, 
losing his brother and not breaking, but you saw those cracks in that in that that anger that he had built up all these years and that defense. So even in just the two minutes, it was just wow. Yeah. So we're left with that again, as in episode one, it's kind of that that moment to take that deep breath and be like, I forgot I was I wasn't breathing for a moment. And I think that is such a testament to the team of this show that again they submerge you so well that you have to take a moment after the episode to just kind of go, whoo, what did I just watch? What did I just feel? Cause there was a lot that was going on in this episode. And I, I can only imagine that it's going to be even more as the, the season goes on. But yeah, that's the recap of episode two, Why They on the Moon. Oh, and again, yeah. I said y'all need to go listen to that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that was episode two. Um, I thought this episode was really, like I said, it was really different from episode one. And there really wasn't two different halves. This, this the, the the story and everything pretty much stayed the same with this one. And I think I enjoyed that because you just episode one was just so wild. And then you come to this episode and it's like, no, this is going to be a little more. Um, how can I say? Uh, I don't know. Biblical, because that's what it really was. It was like a really biblical episode where, you know, they talk about yeah. this garden of Eden and all this stuff and cults and. Yeah, so I think this show is going to be hitting a lot of topics that you normally don't see on a series. You know, you might see it like for uh, one episode or on a movie or something like that, which you really don't get that, right. especially something with, uh, as far as black people. So, uh, right. yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, episode number three. Uh, yes, and I I did want to I did want to circle back because I know some people probably was sc- are going to be screaming it when they listen to this. But the show that I was talking about was Scandal. That um, that the old, old the Samuel character in this episode he played the president, and that was with Olivia Pope. So y'all don't beat me up in the comments when y'all <laughs> when y'all listen to this show. I do remember it's just so much that I, we're talking about that my mind go blank. Blame it on the excitement of oh. the show, not my memory. Oh, well, um, but yes, me too. Um. I absolutely know they do. They they were breeding those monsters. I forgot about them. The uh, cow giving birth to one of those monsters. Yes, and I was gonna circle back to that, and it was like it was normal for them. Yeah, because um, they asked the um they asked uh what's her name, the daughter. Um, Christina. They asked, her, "Is this your first time?" And she's like, "Yes." So yeah, they I guess they have other people that go out there. And, you know, when the cow about to have birth, they go out there and do it. Yeah. But she wanted to do it. Yeah. And I don't know why out of cows, and that could be another spiritual aspect, because um, I know in some religions, cows are sacred. You know, it's some weird stuff. Like, yeah. I can I can go into deep de- deep end of the pool, but I'm not. Um, and I would just say, again, enjoy the ride. Talks amongst yourselves. Give us feedback. You know, what did you think? You could have taken something entirely different from a, a scene that we, we spoke about. Um, but just let us know. Um, and yeah, I'm ready to go up this hill on the roller coaster and come back down again. So, yeah. Uh, so stay tuned. Yeah. Episode three, look out for it Wednesday. Uh, I guess we'll get up out of here. Um, until 
next time. Uh, check us out Wednesday, uh, episode three. Time to get up out of here. Uh, be safe. Peace. <laughs>